Hey guys, what's up? You're listening to the Huntzilla Project. I'm your host, Josh Bell. Now, you may be wondering what exactly this project or me is all about, and I'll just tell you. I started off as an entrepreneur in the hunting space right out of college, and it was really frustrating because I never really had a solid place that I could go to hunt. I was always asking people if I could go hunt somewhere, and it was always a fiasco um, one way or the other. And, you know, being that way, um, it was frustrating because I I actually blogged for Outdoor Life magazine and I had my own magazine and I still had a hard time just getting permission to go hunt places. So eventually I learned about public land hunting and it set me on freaking fire. It made me look at the outdoor industry totally different. I think that now I look at the industry and it's like they're running products just down your throat, telling you that you need all these products to go kill a deer and showing you that you've got to be at some expensive ranch or some outfitter that you got to have some big lease property farming these big deer. And you know what? You just don't have to do that. You can have a hell of a time hunting deer on public land that's available to everybody. Now you can. There's nothing stopping you. So I want to be the voice to tell people. That if you have a passion for it, you can make it happen. I can give you the strategy and the tactics that these experts are using. And you can take that to the woods and you can go kill the deer of a lifetime. And you can take this information. And if you got a a leased land, you can use it there too. But the chances are if you have some big farmed, big freaking tower blind that you're hunting out of, you probably don't want to listen to this podcast. It's probably not for you, and that's fine. You know, we talk about hunting public land deer. Everybody I interview hunts public land. And to hunt public land, you got to take a freaking deer and drag it out of the woods. You got to haul all your equipment in there. You know, tons of pounds of gear on your back. You got to be in shape. You got to be in shape. Even if you think you don't. It's going to increase the longevity of your life to be able to hunt. You're not going to be old and washed out. So we talk about fitness. And that's why I have a business around fitness and hunting. HuntZillaApparel.com Now, if you want to support this movement, this cause, you can go to HuntZillaApparel.com and buy some of our stuff. But you know what? If you think that stuff is shitty, that's fine. Don't buy it. I'd appreciate your business. It would help move this movement a little bit further. But if you don't like the stuff, I'm not telling you to buy it. That's not what I'm saying at all. But if you do like this podcast, and you do like the movement. I want you to share this on your social media. I want you to share it on Instagram. The content that we have on there, share it on Facebook. The content that we have on there, share that, like it, comment. All that stuff helps. So I'd really appreciate it. And guys, if you ever need to reach out to me, like I said, you can reach out to me at Huntzilla Apparel on Facebook and Instagram, or you can email me at Huntzilla at Yahoo.com. I'd be more than happy to talk to you, you know, talk about future uh, episodes that we're doing, ideas, that sort of thing. People that you want me to interview. Maybe you want me to interview you. I don't know. But I'm open to that conversation. I love to have you um, talking to me. So anyway... Enough about that. Today we're going to be talking about Josh Profit. Josh has killed many, many bucks on public land. 
And he does a he has a strategy that's kind of different than anything I've seen. You know, we got Dan Infold who hunts buck beds, and we got some other guys who kind of have their own little thing. And I think Josh is kind of on to his own thing. He uses a lot of trail cameras, 70 as a matter of fact. And they use software and they track these deer. And I know if you're thinking this is all high tech, this is on public land. They can, they, they're hunting like this on public land. Him and a group of guys, they use a software, but Josh is hunting with a traditional bow. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. We got a little bit of cyber connected with some traditional stuff. It's really cool. And we talk about goal setting and stuff like that. So anyway, I'm going to shut up and we're just going to let this episode play. I hope you guys enjoy it. All right, everybody, we've got Josh Prophet on the line. Josh, how's it going, buddy? Man, it's going good. I'm sitting on my back patio. I got the perfect view of the sun going down and life is great. <laughs> a little bit better than me. I'm sitting here looking at a computer screen and trying to get this audio to look right. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, man. I know. <laughs> it ain't, you said it you ain't had bad, a pretty good. Yeah, you said you had a pretty impressive yard, and uh, I guess it's nice whenever you can look out over that nice green and see that sunset over your all your hard work and stuff that you got over there. But uh, I don't know I'm sitting here. Go ahead, brother. What are you saying? Just sitting there. You got a beer in your hand. Yeah. It yeah. sounds like you do. Uh, I do. I got one beer in my mm-hmm. hand. And I'm just watching the sprinkler go round and round in the yard and. Enjoying the fruits money of your thrown. labor. <laughs> yep, throwing money away to keep the grass green. Hell yeah! All right. Well, uh, obviously, you know that, that's great that we, you know, you got that great grass and stuff, man. But I got you on here because I think there's something people can learn from you. You know, I, I've seen your Instagram. It's uh, with, go ahead and tell them what your Instagram is, what the 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 handle is, because I know I forget. Is it B, is BG uh, underscore bow hunter? Is that right? Yep. BG underscore bow hunter. That Nailed is me. It. That's okay. Cause I know when I get on Instagram, you can find me. yeah, I, I put in BG and you pop up right off the bat on my search. So I want to make sure I got that right. But yeah, I've, I've looked at your Instagram and what struck out to me was just the quality of deer that you're killing. And also with a traditional bow. I mean, that's, that's some pretty impressive stuff. You know, when I saw you, I was like, man, this dude is knocking them dead with a freaking traditional bow. That's just, uh, you don't really see a lot of that. And it's on public land. So that's like the trifecta right there of killing deer. So how, how, just tell me how you got into it, man. How, how'd you become a hunter? And I mean, obviously you are a successful hunter. Anybody who's doubting that can just go check out his Instagram and, and you'll see pretty quick that he's. He's doing the damn thing. But how'd you get into it, man? Well, I'm 33 years old right now, and um, I got into hunting. My granddad got me into hunting when I was about eight years old. I'm pretty sure I killed my first deer when I was eight. And um, I know I for sure killed my first buck when I was 10. And uh, it was just a downhill spiral for, from then. I, I grew up meat hunting, um, I, and I also grew up... Uh, I shot the first thing I seen and a buck was a trophy. It didn't matter if it had spikes or four points. It was a trophy just because that was how I was raised. And, uh, man, I did that for, you know, several years. And by the time I got my license, 
<clears throat> I was seeing everybody kill these big deer, and I was always wondering how, how they'd done it. And um, I got my first monster buck DVD, and I realized, hey, man, they're not <laughs> – these guys aren't shooting the first deer they see, and that's how they're killing killing big deer. Right. And uh, I can remember it like it was yesterday. I had just got my license. I drove out there during gun season. I let a, a couple deer walk, and then um, – at the age of 16, I killed my first Pope and Young with a with a rifle, and turns out it was it was my last year with a rifle. Um, <laughs> I, I, I set a goal, you know, and it only took about three hours, and I was just like, that's that was, you know, too easy. My season is over, so um, my uncle kind of turned me on to bow hunting, and I really didn't know what I was doing, but my season went from only being able to hunt. You know, just a few days um, in October and a few days in November because I only gun hunted to um, a season that lasted from September to January. Right. So I've roughly bow hunted, I think, just off the top of my head, somewhere around 18 seasons, I think. Okay. And that, uh, and out of that, you've been pretty successful, right? I mean, how many. I mean, you, you're, you're dropping nine, on about every year. I have nine deer you? on the wall. I do have nine deer on the wall. Um, not all of them score Pope and Young. And I, I have, it took me a long time because I, I made the switch to public and kind of, it took me several years to uh, to get it figured out. I mean, it just did. And after it started, after I started getting it figured out, I, uh, I started killing them. Right. And then I think the last four years I've killed them, you know, back to back to back. And that's what kind of led me to uh, to the trad bow. Um, actually, last season was the first year I picked it up, and uh, I tagged out with it. I killed one doe, and I killed a 134-inch buck. So. That was a nice deer. Now, you're out of Kentucky, right? I am out of West Kentucky, yes, sir. You don't hunt any other states, just that one state? I, I have. I've hunted Illinois, and I try to hunt Indiana. I sit right on the border from my driveway. I can be in Indiana in 10 minutes, and then I can actually be to public ground in Indiana quicker than I can public ground in Kentucky. So uh-huh. I do hunt the both states. Okay. I did not know that. Okay. And uh, as far as your work life, I mean, are you able to go hunting all the time, or are you able just to go here and there, just you know, pretty much hunt whenever you can, or are you able to – have a pretty flexible schedule around work. What's that look like? I am definitely probably the most blue collar guy that will um, the way you'll ever do an interview on. I have a very <laughs> demanding job. <laughs> I'm actually a coal miner, okay. and uh, I put in about around sixty hours a week, Monday through Friday, occasional Saturdays, um, and that's during every hunting other season. weekend. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Every other weekend we have a family weekend, and uh, I know I typically don't hunt that weekend. So basically, I hunt about four. I do all my scouting and hunting in about four days a month, um, Mm. outside the small vacation I take. And what's the what's the family weekend consist of? I'm just wondering. Y'all just like all everybody in your family get together and cook? Is is that kind of it? Um. Well, I I'm like a big mafia family or something. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm divorced and remarried, so I have my three kids um, every other weekend. Ah, and so okay. when they're here, I just I just try not to leave, and man, we just throw down on some food and have a big time. You know, you and, can only and you're disgruntled the over there like, the whole time eating and <laughs> going, man, I should be hunting right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I as I get older, I. I enjoy the things that are more exactly you know, that really yeah. in life. I got you. Hey, man, you know, it, you got to be happy with your family. You can't be chasing deer and neglecting your family back at home. So I, that's no, really cool. I, and, no. and, hey, I think that's awesome. You know, like you were killing these deer, but you're so constricted with your time. And I, I kind of knew that about you because we've been, you know, texting back and forth and stuff. I didn't know a, the extent of the family weekend and stuff. I knew you worked hard. I knew you had a pretty demanding schedule, but that's uh that's a very honorable thing about you. That you should really be proud about that. I've I've certainly taken a step back from everything I've been doing to, you know, spend time with my family. So hats off to you there. And uh everybody listening, y'all ain't got a damn excuse not to kill a deer. Because this guy, he just <laughs> told you, I mean he's he's only able to hunt every other weekend pretty much. So that's uh that's yeah, awesome, I mean, brother. The, when you put when you put your hobbies in front of your your family, I mean, you, you really don't have your priorities right. And you know, like I've heard guys say, you know, they get married and have kids or whatever. Like, well, you know, I hunted before we met and before we had kids, and I and I, you know, I kind of used to think that way. But as I get older and more mature, I think you know, well, my wife made all these changes, and I sit back and think. You know, well, I shouldn't make any. I should just be able to go out and do what I want. And uh, so I tend not to think that way no more. A happy wife is a happy wife. You, you're damn right. You are so <laughs> right. And, you know, man, too, investing in those kids. I mean, I try to take my kid hunting, but she doesn't really like it. You know, I'm not going to force her to go all the time. I mean, I'm, I try to get her to go just because I want her to kill something or, or see something. You know, maybe she'll get lucky and see a buck or something. Just, you know, maybe ignite that fire. But at the end of the day, you got to be there for your kids. And that's that's it. Like I said, that's just a great quality to have. And for everybody listening, by no means are we telling you all, that, you know, to just go leave your kids and go hunt deer all the time. And I know I, it's hard for me. I mean, I just dropped off my kids. My wife is out of town right now. And I just dropped off my youngest and my stepdaughter over at my, my in-laws. And, dude, I'm going to tell you, it just, God, it breaks my heart. Because I got to get up real early in the morning and go to work. So I, I had to take them over there. And, man, it, it just rips my heart out. I just, you know, the older you get and the, these bonds that you form with these kids, they just get stronger. Or at least for me, it does. And I certainly oh, yeah. wouldn't want to neglect that. But anyway, we're getting all mushy about this kind of stuff. But <laughs> I think it is important. Okay. I mean, it, people need to be able to relate to that kind of thing. But um, let's go ahead, man. Uh, Kentucky public land hunting, you know, how do you, how do you look at it? I mean, how do you start off your hunts? I mean, what's – What's the biggest thing that you start off doing whenever you start scouting and stuff? Just walk me through your process. How you find these big deer? Well, we'll just start from a new piece of property. Um, I preferably like a large chunk. And when I say a large chunk of public, I, I say at least 5,000 acres. And, um, if it's not that big, I don't invest much time in on it. 
and that's only because it may hurt me, it may not, but the smaller pieces, you can just, you can hurt them a lot more than you can the bigger pieces, in my opinion. The, the bigger pieces, they hold more hunting pressure. So I tend to look for something bigger, like the one, I got one that's about 20,000 acres, not too far from my house. I love it. Um, the other one that I hunt is about 10,000 acres. It is, um, it's about an hour from my house. So basically that's, that's how I start. And then, uh, one thing I like to key in on, I like to key on, key in on properties that, um, that allow a lot of human activity, um, as far as hiking, yes, <laughs> um, or, or, horse, horseback riding, anything where it keeps people on the piece of property year round. It gets deer used to it, right? It really does. You can get by so much more with that, um, with the human presence being there 24 7, 365, than you can, you know, the small portion that, that you left alone all, all year and then you try to hunt when it's perfect. You know, you can, you can really jack those properties up. So, um, that's what I key on. Large partials that have a lot of human activity. And to be honest with you, I don't care if it's hunting. I don't care if it's hunted hard. If, you know, if the deer are there, I don't care how many people are there or how many people's in the parking lot. That's where I'm going to be. I gotcha. I mean, that makes complete sense. It kind of desensitizes them to, you know, the scent and all that. I'll actually, I'll second that because I know one of my biggest bucks was on a hiking trail. No kidding. Yeah, and and we get we get that every year. We get big bucks. Um, some of these uh, WMAs, they got what they call fire breaks, or they're more like a road. They call them fire breaks, and that's what people use to access stand locations and walk and ride the horse trails down. I can't tell you how many times in the broad daylight I've had hunters go by, and then two or three hours later in the broad daylight, a Pope and Young is walking down the same foot track you know, the same foot trail. And I know dang well that he can smell where that person's walked. I mean, I just, I do. Yeah. Well, if their senses so, are all down, I mean, if, if everything is like out the window, you can get by with a lot more, you know, like if, if that trail is beat down with people and scent and they get desensitized to it, you can get away with so much more. I'm sure, you know, maybe not yeah. maybe like jumping on, you know, like making noise and stuff, but your scent and all that's kind of out the window. Yeah, noise and being visible and um like there's one guy I'm at one of the WMAs that I love to hunt. Um he's just kind of a walker. He doesn't really hunt a lot, but he shows up on my best cameras, bedding close to bedding areas, uh food <laughs> any any camera, he's on it and he's older and all he does is hike. And he doesn't really stay on the trail and he's completely legal and he, he leaves my stuff alone. But he just hikes, and I know dang well that them deer are so used to him. I, to be honest with you, I wish I had his jacket because I could probably <laughs> even get away with a little bit more if I smelled like him. <laughs> yeah, and like tuck a little knife under there, you can like fling it at him real quick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so man, that's what I keep on keying on large large chunks of public that have a lot of human activity. Okay. All right, let's talk trail cams because you've been sending me some pictures. I ain't done nothing with them. I just let you know, <laughs> but you got some nice trail cam pictures. So let's let's talk about that, man. How what's your trail cam strategy, and how what's that like? Man, there's a there's a small group. I keep my circle small, and 
and not a lot of people know where my pictures come from and I don't show them to people very often. Um, I don't put them on social media. There's us and together we run about 70 cameras. Oh, I put, yeah. <laughs> and we run it all on a, on, on deer lab software. And I personally have over 30. And so basically say I got 10,000 acres. Um, I'll pick out somewhere around 3,000 acres that has everything that I want, bedding, food, cover. Um, I prefer to hunt hill country. So I look for all those things in, a, in an area, and we'll just kind of call that home, and we'll, we will strategically place our cameras out around them. You know, we'll look look from an aerial perspective and think, well, we need one on this ridge, one close to this food plot. Here's a bedding area here. We can tuck this one right here. And we, we really just tag these cameras throughout what we call home. And man, it just, you can create some serious, serious intel with, uh, with that many cameras. Hmm. <laughs> and I, I do, I love trail cameras. It's, um, it's probably my favorite thing to do. I've, I've been running them since you had to put film in them. Oh, so. I love them too. It's been a while. Yeah, I love them. It's hey, been a while, man. I, go ahead. I was just going to say that you know, I, I almost like it just as much as I do hunting. And <laughs> you, you can, you can, trail cameras can hurt you as much as they can help you. So you got to be smart about it. You know, we don't, sometimes I check my cameras every two weeks, but a lot of times it's every five or six weeks. And some of the cameras, they soak almost all season before we check them. Um, just cause we use, um, basically, um, past history, because even if you get a picture of a deer and you check it, say you got a cell camera and you, ch- and you, and you get a picture of you're sitting on your couch and you get a picture of a big buck and you're like, Oh man, I can't hunt till Saturday. Or even if you could go the next day, well, re- regardless of it's the next day, the next week or the next month, it's, it's already past history. Right. Um, so that's behind you, but deer are creatures of habit, mm-hmm. and they tend to be in the same locations year after year, and um, around the same time. So that's how I use my trail cameras is past ten- past tense. Um, like I was looking at Deer Lab, uh, I guess it was a few days ago, and I'm I'm so stoked because I got a couple years history with some bucks. And, you know, I, I know a really good area of where they're going to be at, at what time of the year. This is, this is really interesting. So you're taking, you and a group of guys are sharing this deer lab account and putting all your stuff in there and you're kind of sharing these spots. Is that how that's working or do I have that wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Basically, um, I bought, I bought a bunch of mini padlocks. Okay. And they're all keyed the same. All four of us have keys. So if we're close to a camera, we'll just check it. Doesn't matter whose it is. And all of us four, where you got a, on Deer Lab, you got a username and a password and it doesn't, you can log in from anywhere. So they'll log in and I'll log in and we'll all upload our data and then we can all four see it from our houses, from, from our own homes. Hmm. Yeah. I was, uh, I'm, I heard a podcast about Deer Lab, wanted to use it. And I actually got a, a card reader because I think you had to put it in your computer to upload all the stuff. 
and I was going to convert everything over to one SD card. Yeah. And, uh, I just, for whatever reason, I wasn't getting hardly any pictures in the summer. I was like, well, you know, fuck that. I'm not getting hardly anything on there. So what's the point in me even, you know, trying to, you know, target something and try to watch the behavior and I'm not getting any pictures. But then, you know, once October came, man, I had pictures everywhere, but that's just, to me, that's, (laughs) <laughs> that's so cool me and my friend are, are we kind of we're kind of the same way i mean we kind of he knows where i kill deer at obviously because he's helped me haul them out he knows where i have trail cams at he'll go and check them too and stuff we're not running deer lab but we'll be like hey man look at this you know but we, we haven't gone to the deer lab level like you guys and i i think that you're on to something in that okay even if say you screw up because you check a, a camera too much you know, you still got other spots that you can go to, I'm sure. But you've got history of deer movement for that specific area. You know, despite what any book or what any podcast or anything that you try to put in your damn head, you've got the data right there. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's almost like you got your own farm and you're an outfitter or something like you were talking about in one of our text conversations we had. I didn't, I didn't know you were using Deer Lab and doing that kind of stuff. That's That's pretty cool. And I think, like I said, yeah, I, mean, I don't think that you could go wrong with it because, like, even uh, you're just learning so much just by, you know, the the deer, like, just looking at the data that you have, you know, with the moon, the weather, the all that stuff. It's all right there at your fingertips. Or at least it seems like yeah, that to it, me. I mean, it, is that kind of what you're getting out of it, I guess? Yes. Yep. Yep. It, uh, it saves it all to a cloud. And as long as you keep the account uh, updated. Um, you pay a yearly fee and it don't like we pay every July. So it lasts from July to July. I mean, it is so affordable. Their, uh, their premium package is like $410 for a year. We split that four ways. It is some of the best money that we have ever spent <laughs> because most people, they take a trail camera and they get a big buck and they get all stoked about it. They know where the, the, the camera is, where they got a picture of him. But that's about the end of the story. They don't dig into the weather. Um, which, you know, I don't pay a lot of attention to the moon or anything, but they, they just don't dig into the weather and they don't correlate that with their pictures. And, um, weather almost trumps everything when it comes to deer movement. So deer lab is huge to me. Hmm. So let me ask you, what have, what have you learned by looking at deer lab and just the, the patterning of the bucks that you have over there in Kentucky? Uh, which camera, which areas they like to be in on, on certain lens is the big thing. Um, uh, definitely a bright sunny day with high pressure is a lot better than a low pressure cloudy day. Um, I don't think wind really affects them at all. I personally don't. I think a 25 mile an hour wind, I'll be out there all day. I may be a little lower to the ground. Um, but you just learn so much about their their movement patterns as how it consists to the weather and wind specifically. Um, you know, you say you got ten cameras and and this deer's on all ten of your cameras. Well, he may be on three of them cameras a lot, and then out of three of them cameras, he may be on one of them a lot out of like a southeast wind because it, it gives you a pie a pie percentage by your cameras and by the wind it breaks it down that way so 
on this camera. He is on uh, the north-facing slope camera 67% of the time on a southeast wind. That's, that's how it breaks it down for you. So, you know, you need to be on that ridge on a southeast wind on a sunny day. Right. So are you kind of like pinpointing kind of where you think they're betting and and going in there and, and trying to find transition areas or just where they're going to be or kind of walk me through the step from the data collection of your trail cams to how you're trying to set up on them? Okay. Well, we are trying to convert to more of the beast tactics, and I'm sure everybody's familiar with Dane Infault. Um, I've been listening to him for a very, very long time, probably before a lot of people ever even knew who he was, but I never applied his methods and we're kind of leaning towards that as far as the betting. Um, but basically, you know, we'll, we will try to set some cameras up on what we believe is betting and real close to them. Not what I say by that is within a hundred to 200 yards and we just, um, we just let them soak. We let them bake. Those are the cameras that we don't check that every month and a half or two months. Um, then we load that uh, data up onto Deer Lab. And then off that bedding area, we will have multiple cameras scattered out on travel corridors all the way to food plots. So we can really narrow down what the deer prefers as far as which direction he wants to go and where he likes to bed. Hmm. Okay. It, it almost sounds like cheating, but it's not because I, I'll say this from over a de- decade of experience because I've had guys tell me like, do you run too many cameras? That's cheating this, that bull crap, man. I can only hunt four days a month. Get off my oh, back. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, it's one thing to get a picture of a deer and it's another thing to kill him. I don't care. Oh, you're damn right. How many pictures you got of him. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Because, just when you think you got everything figured out, something weird happens, and you're like, "Man, you got me there. You got me." Yeah, that's why I was hunting that deer Sue, and I never could. I saw him one time, and I kept getting him on camera, and I got him on three different trail cameras, and I'm pretty sure I got his bedding, you know, where he's bedding up at. Never really applied the beast tactics like you were talking about, but I was kind of trying to catch him going in between his bedding and wherever the hell he was going. And, um, man, it just never, it just never happened. I ended up shooting another, another buck, but it's like you said, you can get pictures right. all day long. I had pictures of that deer all day long, but I could not get him. You know, I just could not get in front of him. Never, never saw him. And I think I hunted, shoot, I think I hunted that area about 10 sits before I killed that other deer. So. Right. And man, don't let me deter any of you or or the, the listeners. You know, if you don't got 70 cameras or 30 cameras and you still want to do big things, you can. You know, if you got eight or 10 cameras, you need to break it down and figure out what you want to do. You need to figure out if you want to get a, a general idea of inventory and what deer you got in the area, or if you got a couple deer that you really want to hone in on or a specific deer, then you can dive all your cameras in on him. It doesn't take that many and some deer have big home ranges and some deer have small home ranges the biggest deer i ever hunted i never got a picture of him off of 600 acres to my knowledge um he never really left 600 acres which is pretty small okay a, a deer or a, a, a 
complete area that he ran because I had cameras on 3,000 acres and buddies on distant buddies and another partial. And he just wasn't leaving 600 acres his whole life. Huh. That's interesting. So whenever, let me ask you something. So I, I was thinking I'm running 15 cameras at least this year. Haven't put any out yet. But what I'm planning to do is just pick out certain areas where I feel like the, the pressure is not there. You know, we don't have a whole lot of, of traffic and stuff through there. We don't have a whole lot of hiking trails and stuff like that. But it's a big parcel of woods. It's over 20,000 acres. So I'm going to go into certain areas where I'm like, this is kind of back there. I don't feel like there's a lot of pressure, what have you, and put some cameras in certain areas. Is that kind of what you're doing? Or are you like, hey, we're going to put up like a grid over, I don't know, 2,000 acres or something and just hunt this one area or this happened yeah we go ahead sorry go ahead man uh, we do more we do more of a grid okay. and it's just because we got so many cameras and we hunt such a large area a lot of my cameras go on the same trees year after year after year because although the deer may not be using it early season he may pound it during the rut leave for a little bit and then hammer it again late season and if he was to move that camera you would never know but we do have a few satellite cameras um, that we just kind of keep mobile to stay on fresh sign and pick up on things that we don't move. Because Deer Lab, it doesn't do any good if you don't put the camera back in the same place year after year because it's not going to be able to, to tell the difference. You know, if you put a camera on the, on the pine tree grove and you're getting great bucks on there, and you move the camera the next year off the pine tree grove and you don't have a camera in there, all that previous year's intel is, is you know, you're not going to be able to get anything else off of it because you don't have a camera in there that's to a good collect point. That's the, a great, the, the next year's data. That's a great tip for anybody who's using that stuff because I didn't even think about that. Huh. Yeah, that, that's how it works, man. And, and early season can be tough for some people, but man, if you leave a camera in one place all year, you would be surprised how the deer move around it. You know, you may have it out a month and it, you're like, God, man, this just sucks. This place is horrible. <laughs> and then, and then you move the camera, but little did you know that the deer didn't move in there till, you know, December or, or late November and they're there till they lose their rack. You just miss out on, and so much intel that way that that is exactly so I, don't move my, I don't yeah i see exact lesson that i learned this past year because i like i said i didn't get jack diddly shit on any of my cameras like i had three bucks no kidding that was it and then come october dude i had deer everywhere i'm talking big deer you know like for me it was bigger than the stuff i had on private land when i hunted in the past so i was i was blown away and it, basically, it was just the acorn drop, and then the car, the crops being harvested. I think they just came back into that that big parcel of woods, really. But man, and that's what I like to call the public land advantage. You know, most of these guys that hunt private ground, they they don't have big parcels to hunt. They can't put in big, expensive food plots. And um, when you hunt the public, man, I've always got bigger deer on the public ground than I had my private. I have leased, I'm ashamed to say it, but I leased a farm years ago and, um, I was getting, I was leasing a farm paying 
back then over ten dollars an acre for it and it's pretty much hunting the public all the time because that's that's where a lot of the deer were yeah i mean i, I definitely am very pleased with hunting public <laughs> i mean I, i've seen some great deer had some great experiences with it and by no means i don't i don't plan to go back to a lease or anything like that <laughs> no man which you take that money that you would have spent on a lease and you buy gear with it. Exactly. That's how I was able to have yeah. so many cameras. I'm not married to a a small payment on a piece of property, like 50 or 60 acres, that I'd be scared to death to go into because I'd mess it up because it's so small. Right. And I'm not married to a big lease payment of 20 or $25 an acre. I, you know, I hunt the public. It's free. And I, I take that money and, you know, I buy gear with it. Yeah. Buy you a bow. Buy better stuff. <laughs> And in your case, trail cameras. So we've been talking a lot about trail cameras. What, I mean, is is that pretty much your primary way of scouting and stuff is is running these trail cameras or, I mean, how big of a part does it play into what you're doing? It plays a huge part, but don't, don't let me fool you. I could put them all in the box and I still feel like I could be successful. Um, Well, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I mean. Right. I, I know what you're saying. I just saying, in a sense, it kind of I kind of feel like some people look at it as like, well, he's got they run seventy trail cameras that that takes away from their, their woodsmanship, and man, we Shit. still got to do the legwork. Man, you, the you're not like a traditional bow. You tell them to shut the hell up. <laughs> I know I would, <laughs> <laughs> but so that that's really kind of how you're zeroing in on these deer. I mean, is is putting up a grid like you said? Is, is there anything that you're looking for when you're putting these cameras up? As far as like trails or i mean what are you looking for to put up a camera i mean just the general area or are you running uh what do they call it time lapse or whatever where it takes a picture in the morning and the evening or i'm just i'm really interested in how you do these this is the first time i've talked to somebody that ran this many trail cameras and i'm really curious about all this i don't i don't you know i don't i don't do any kind of time lapse um like i said basically um a lot of a lot of times we'll just put cameras close to bedding in between food and bedding and on the food. And we're able to, you know, to put a lot of cameras out. So we kind of, I mean, really it figures a lot out for us. Okay. Um, I don't know if that really answered the question. Really yeah. Good, I mean, you're, you're basically just trying to get movement, you know, from the bedding to the food. Yeah. I mean, the food. Dear, a big buck, he might be, fairly nocturnal and I, i'm a firm believer that there's no such thing as a completely nocturnal deer because the deer doesn't lay there from dark to dark and he gets up and, and roams around it just may not be that far but one thing that a big buck cannot hide is his footprint and that is like his it's like his autograph and if i go in there and and the dirt is you know not really really moist but it's not saturated, but it's a little hard, and I find Bigfoot tracks. I don't even have to put a camera in there. I do, but I know there's a mature buck in there, so I will look for that. Um, you know, big rubs. I know I know that they say that, you know, little deer can rub big trees, and that's true, but I've never seen a small buck shred a, a giant tree the size of your your quad. No. Um you know what I mean? So yeah. I look for that. And sheds, man. Sheds are a big thing. Um, we find big sheds. You, you know, you can almost bet that you were either right there by his bedroom 
or are close to where he's feeding. So that that's you know other things that I look for. It's it's funny you talk about the rub thing because I put a video up of a rub and it got started by a little buck and then I think eight bucks came and rubbed the same thing, but somebody and of course somebody's got to just to put their knowledge in there. Some people said I photoshopped that shit and some somebody said you know they didn't believe it. And then there were people that said, see, that's what small deer can rub big trees, you know. And I was like, yeah, but do you see, I saw the damage on that tree. I know that little deer did not do the amount of damage on that tree that the big deer did. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. You know, you got to look at a tree and be able, be able to look at the damage, how high the rub is, stuff like that. You know, I think people get that so confused when they start looking at rubs and deer sign and stuff. You know, if it's if it's obviously tore the hell up. That's not some little button buck running in there and, and doing that, you know. But people kind of see what they well, want to I mean, see. Right. And I also think that if you've spent a lot of times in the woods, your sixth sense or, or the inner hunter in you, when you walk up in a big buck's area, you know, his home range, you almost know it. Like, you know what I'm saying? You can oh, yeah. walk up in a big in a spot and you're just you're like, you, you, I know, I don't know who he is. But I know there's a big buck here, and I know he's close, and I know he's living close, and I know what big buck is doing this. So that all just goes back to following your gut, man. Your gut is your number one in- instinct, despite of what you, anybody tells you, you need to follow your gut. I completely agree with you. You know, like I said, I, I just started hunting public last year, got in a situation like that, got in an area, and I was immediately texting my friend. I said, dude, this is – I'm te- this is gravy right here. I'm just telling you, this is gravy. Got up in my stand late because I had to get up in a tree that was all jacked up and stuff. I mean, it was really unsafe for me to be doing. But, you know, you want to kill a big deer, you got to do some some unsafe shit. But anyway, got up in there, huge buck coming down the ridge about 60 yards away. And then I ended up shooting my first buck that was right behind me on the ridge. And I mean, dude, there were deer everywhere. You know, I was just like, it, it was crazy. And all around that area, you could kind of go, you know, 200 yards here and they'd set up somewhere and you still have deer around. And there was just a lot of sign for whatever reason. That area was real hot. But, you know, that's that was after me and him had spent, I don't know how many miles walking through there and looking and looking and looking and looking. And it was it was pretty far back there, too. But, yeah, I think that. You, like you said, you just kind of know whenever you get in that area, you start seeing scrapes and rubs all in the same area and a lot of tracks and stuff like just a whole lot of sign that you just really can't deny. And you know, it's there, but I, I agree with you. Right. Totally. Um, Man, there's, go ahead, brother. Just going to say you were kind of talking about that, man. There's no substance for boots on the ground um, that trumps everything that trumps what people tell you, what people, what you read, that trumps what you see on aerial. Um, there's no substance for boots on the ground. If if you want to kill big deer, you got to put the boots on the ground. Or if you want to kill mature deer, you got to put boots on the ground. If you want to reach your goals, you got to put both your boots on the ground because your season, unless it's the outside or unless it's the Vegas rut, you know what I mean by that is the luck you get of the rut. It's kind of like. <laughs> the Vegas, Vegas luck, your season's going to reflect on the work that you put into it. 
so I tend to just never let my deer season in, man. You just got to grind it out, and you got to get back there, and you got you got to put the boots on the ground, and, and you got to know your deer, and you got to know the property you hunt. Uh, Don Higginson said something in a podcast one time. He said, uh, you got to stop making excuses and come up with a solution. And I'm a firm believer in that. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't matter what you got, what you ain't got, who's hunting where, who's hunting what. You got to stop making up excuses. But get your butt up and go find them. That's how you kill them. Yeah. And, and that goes back to, I mean, just having a positive attitude, too. I mean, if you go out there and you don't think you're going to kill shit, you're going to set up on the first tree that you just run across. You know, just like, screw it, whatever. I'm, what's the point in me walking and trying to find them and everything? And, and I've got into it, guys, on Facebook and stuff. I'm like, man, you should you should want to kill a deer. You should want to put in the time. Like, if you're a deer hunter, and that's really what you're about, if it's important to you, you'll put in the time. You'll, you'll be positive about it. You'll try to figure this out and you'll want to kill a deer and you'll go through the, the process of scouting and trying to figure, you know, listening, educating yourself, all that stuff. But ultimately you're going to have to, you know, stop making excuses, get out there and kill them. I mean, that's, yep. that's really what it comes down to. And, and you can do that year after year. And that, that's my goal. I want to kill deer year after year after year. And that's, that's how I rate success as a deer hunter. You know, some people want to say that it's, you know, it's about taking people hunting and all that sort of stuff. And that's, to me, that's a separate issue. I'm talking about from a hunting standpoint of getting your ass out in the woods and being able to haul something out. That's my goal. I want to be able to go and kill a deer year after year. And like you said, man, you just, you got to stop making excuses and do the work. So other than the trail cameras, what, what, what are you doing? As far as like scouting and stuff, I mean, are you... Do you, I mean, do you use them everywhere you hunt, pretty much? I mean, with 70 uh, cameras, I, I would imagine I do. you do. <laughs> I, I do, man. and I don't venture out very far where I got my trail cameras, and that's only because they're over such a large area. You know, I can leave one parking lot and walk two miles and run into other cameras we have out. <laughs> um. I mean, that's just, that's how I do it. And I'm, I'm blessed to have that many, but you know, people, people that, that don't, that don't have that many, um, you know, there's some suggestions. Um, I would look for access. Um, the secrets out about going deep. Um, and I yeah. see people like you from down South and the East coast every year that are what I call savages. They come here ready to kill. They may not know exactly what to do, but they're willing to to walk a long ways and and to put in the hours. And during November, you get that Vegas luck, and and they kill big deer. That's me. Um, That's, I'm one of those guys. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so I may not know, have the know skill and knowledge yet, but I will put in the fucking work. <laughs> That's right, man. Know your <laughs> know your access because I can't tell you how many times in years past when I was trying to figure all this stuff out, I thought I needed to go deep. And I would go deep, and I would walk an hour, mile, mile and a half back, and in the middle of the dark, I would see a flashlight, and I would be like, how in the world? I just walked a mile, a mile <laughs> and a half in the dark. Why am I seeing a flashlight? Well, I didn't know that there was a road up top, 
that a guy was doing the same thing that I was doing and he was trying to get deep. And then here we are running into each other in the middle of nowhere in the dark. So, so no, you know, know your access and, and know your, know your land. The, the deer, they do weird things, man. They'll hang out by the parking lot. Um, the deer are where the people tend to be the least in most cases. Um, two years ago, I killed a deer on a 25 minute flat walk and seen a booner from the stand. And still to this day, it's, it's a pretty accessible, pretty easy place to get to. I think it's hunted fairly hard around the edges of it and the deer is still there and I still hunt it and still have great luck. Is there any kind of like distance that you prefer to get or is it just, I mean, how do you pick where you set up and stuff? I mean, does distance even matter? I guess is a question nope. I'm asking. Nope. Doesn't matter. Nope. The deer matter. The deer matter where the deer are. That's what matters. And people, what, what a lot of people will do is, and what you'll read is, you'll find a place close to a parking lot or not a very far walk, and it's tore up, buck sign everywhere, deer sign everywhere, and like, oh, man, that's done at night. Yeah. How do you know? <laughs> Did you hunt it? Yeah. Multiple times? Well, it's like Did people you run saying, a trail camera in there? People saying, like, these rubs and scrapes are done, like, on, on ridges, at the top of ridges or at night. And I put cameras on these on these scrapes and stuff. And I'm going to tell you, it, they're done in the daytime. Like, I don't know who started that shit, but I, I've seen them on the, on top of the ridges. I've seen them doing scrapes and I've got pictures of them on my trail cams. So I know that that's right. not night sign. That's, that's why I like, you know, I put it up there and I was like, well, based off of what I heard the other day on this podcast, I'm probably going to get nothing but night pictures. And then you put it up and you're like, holy shit. <laughs> yep. So yep. I, I, I'm real yeah, curious man. to try to break the rules and stuff. And I've even tried to hunt like off the main road, just, you know, just like some, somewhere somebody wouldn't even think I'll just pull my truck over and just start walking. But I haven't had that much success doing that yet. Be honest with you. But like I said, I'm, I'm just, well, getting, I've I'm learned, just, you know, putting my feet in the water here. <laughs> right. I've learned that the people will go deep when you're hunting public ground, it's it's the terrain features that really set set the guy that that really really wants it and the guy that would die for it. Do you hear me? Yeah. Great, huge hills deter people. Long walks don't deter too many people. Big hills, huge ridges, um, creeks, so hard obstacles that that are to get around are what make for great hunting because. You know, anybody can walk a mile and do pretty good for the most part that hunts right. public that I see. But not too many guys want to go up and down and up and down a huge elevation change where it's literally, you know, it's a mile walk, but you're going up and down. So it, it's it's really about a four-mile walk. Or nobody wants to pack the waders in. Nobody wants to take the kayak in and drag it 400 yards and take it across the creek or paddle up the creek secret accent or a different access that you can't get to without it that's what i find is obstacles okay. is, um is what creates the better hunting what about water do you got a boat or use anything like that i got a kayak i just bought it this year and i've never used it um but i haven't had a chance to um and to be honest with you if i knew a buck was over there i would swim <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, I really would. Yeah. I would swim across Put it. Put on a, a wetsuit um, and a snorkel and watch me go. <laughs> I've, uh, I've treaded water many, many times to get to places. So it's, um, you know, as long as it's not freezing, I, I would do it. But I, I don't use a boat. But if, by all means, if it would help you and you know that it would, then, then go for it. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out because I think that this information about hunting public land, I feel like there's more of it out there now. And the guys that are really wanting to kill deer are all kind of doing the same kind of thing. Like you were talking about, like guys that go deep. And I was, I remember I, I pedaled my ass off on my bike. And this was that, this was this year after the season, I was doing some scouting. And I remember, man, I went through all this stuff and I was looking for some deer sign. I found a little bit, you know, marked it on my Onyx maps. And then I get down in this, this little creek bed <laughs> and I saw a fresh boot track. And I was like, man, I am three miles off the main road. There's a, you know, there's a lake over here, but it's like half a mile this way. I mean, like how, how in the world did someone, I mean, that boot track was like either that day or the day before. And I just, I was like, man, I have no idea where these people are. <laughs> you know, like the, uh, some of the spots that I thought I was real good, I, I, you know, like there ain't nobody over here. I had cameras stolen and, yep. uh, you know, for, uh, for me, I don't know how the hunters are in Kentucky. There's some, there's some guys that are good, you know, don't get me wrong, but man, it, they'll take trail cameras and I don't know. It's just kind of, to me, picking out pressure and, and kind of figuring out where people are going to be based off of looking at a map solely is a really hard challenge. But. No, you, it is. You need to get your boots on the ground. I say that because people are lazy. They're just like deer. They leave sign. And when you're hunting the public, that's what you need to be looking for. You need to be looking for the bright eyes yeah. that uh, people have honestly lost woodman, woodsmanship and they cannot get through the woods in gray light or dark without shining their flashlight the whole way you need to look for orange markers you need to look for trees that are climbed um, out-of-state hunters they most of them 90 percent of them climb you can look for trees that have the climb marks and you look for trash you look for old 1969 bottles anything because like i said when it comes to that aspect people are lazy they'll leave trash behind um they leave signs of them being there. Hmm. Good point. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Uh, and I, like I said, I, I can't, I haven't been able to pinpoint. I, like I said, I walk into something and it, it still shocks me at the, like when I find something, like it seems like if I find something on a map that looks interesting, somebody else has already been there. If that makes any sense, like, oh, there's a transition line here. You know, this this looks like a good spot. As soon as I get there, I'm like, shit, well, it's no secret. But, you know, every now and then you get a little bit lucky and you don't have too much traffic. At least that's kind of what I ran into this year. It was kind of like, I was kind of like a pinball. I just kind of went from spot to spot, you know. Some, some spots would work out and some wouldn't, and that's just kind of how I went. I think it'll be like that for me right. for a while too. You know, I'm just trying to figure it out, but it takes, I mean, you can't learn a piece of property just like that. I mean, there's a big bell curve and you're learning experience and that's why I'm not, 
I'm not real big on hunting multiple properties because you get so scatterbrained. Like, you know, I got 20,000 acres over here. I got 7,000 acres over here. I got all these cameras. And, you know, that's why I like to find, you know, one piece of property that has it all and invest 85% of my time in on it. That makes because a lot of you, sense. you get to know it, you get, you get to know it. And when you get to know it year after year, you learn more and more and more where people are, where the deer are. And at the end, man, it just turns into a more successful hunt as the years go on. Right. Okay. Well, we have, we have talked a lot about, you know, scouting and stuff like that. Um, let's go into a little bit about your setup and stuff. Now, obviously you're a traditional bow hunter. What's, what's that about? Why did you want to start doing traditional bow hunting? I mean, it's hard enough hunting public land with a bow. Why take that route? Man, because it's kind of, you're going to make fun of me, but I had a lot of people kind of knocking me over some of the deer I was shooting. You know, some of them were right at Pope and Young or a little over, um, three-year-old deer and that and that's what my target was but like why'd you shoot that buck I'm like what do you mean why i shoot that buck because i don't let you dictate what i shoot i shoot what makes me happy <laughs> and uh you know i'm not shooting your buck for you. I'd, be like, <laughs> I'd be like dude my three-year-old deer that i'm that i just killed is probably smarter than the six-year-old deer that you're trying to kill so get off my back but Anyways, I started killing these deer pretty consistent, like I said, and I'm not real big into hunting a specific deer. Um, I'm not real big into big racks. Um, A three-year-old buck is my goal, Um, so it doesn't take a real big deer for me to shoot. Um, And I just started getting pretty, you know, the last four years I've killed, and I was like, man, this is getting getting pretty easy. And I was like, you know, what is something that – not very many people do and not very many people are successful at and that's traditional hunting and then we mix it in with public i was like that's right up my alley so i like to make it hard i like to do stuff that people have a hard time doing or can't do and so last year was my first year with it man i, I poured everything i had into it i went into the season with a very positive attitude and the two deer that i seen I knew they were dead before they ever got in the bow range. <laughs> I mean, I just, I was in bleed mode. I mean, straight bleed mode. And, uh, that buck, man, when I, when I shot that buck, I watched the arrow zip right through him, man. And he ran about 40 yards and toppled down a big ridge. And I was like, this is me. I will, I'm for it. <laughs> Trad has forever changed me. I don't need cables and, and cams and sights like, this is how Hell yeah. I'm going to do it. You heard like war drums in the background. <laughs> freaking, freaking it's hard squatting to explain if you chanting. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was, man. It was, it was a big time. That's awesome. So what are you? Yeah, uh, yeah it is. What, what other equipment are you using with that? Man, uh, I basically, you know, my, my setups, all my setups from top to bottom is, you know, um, I shot a Hoyt Buffalo last year. Um, Bob at Big Stick Archery just made me a, a custom hybrid bow, which is kind of a mix between a long bow and a recurve. So that's this year's weapon. Okay. And uh, I, I tie that in with some 
gold tip arrows and some 165 grain Simmons two blade broadheads. Uh, I, I wear Kuyu camo for two reasons. Number one is is extremely lightweight, and I can pack it and put it in my pack for my long walks. And <clears throat> number three would probably be my Exodus trail cameras. Um, I run pretty much all Exodus trail cameras. And as far as my stand setup, I 95% of the time I hang and bang. I go in with a lone wolf and three sticks. I don't hunt high. 15 foot's about as high as I go. Hmm, okay. And that's pretty much my setup, man. I, and I did I did make the change from rubber boots to hiking boots, and that has been phenomenal. We actually just had a conversation about that on my Facebook group about guys getting <laughs> making the change from rubber boots to to hiking boots and and that sort of thing. Oh man, I bought a really good set of Krispies, and <laughs> when I check my cameras, if I if I do a big camera run, it's about. 11 to 13 miles and doing that in a set of alpha burleys is torture doing that in a set of crispies is love hell yeah you have like trench foot by the time you get through with them alpha burleys (laughs) well yeah you just never even though they're like a light sport yeah uh, knee boot you never realized how heavy they were until you put on a good set of hiking boots yeah well do you do any kind of scent control or anything like that or just the hell with it you're walking around and getting nasty anyway man i do but i don't go over extreme a lot of the stuff you read is, is just magic pixie dust as dan infault would say yeah. it's stuff that a lot of people buy in and push that doesn't work man too many people push products you know, want to take pictures and selfies the hunting industry lacks the passion nowadays so oh, i don't buy into dude, a lot of you're speaking stuff. my language now that's yeah. that's why yeah, I, I started everything with Huntzilla is because I feel like they have missed the ball so bad. I mean, the the industry is just going into nothing but but selling stuff. They've lost the purity and it, it is. It is, but you know, to go back to your question, I do like to hunt my wind. Um I like to go into areas, you know, try to hit it with my wind right, not necessarily in my face. When I'm in the stand, I prefer to hunt a crosswind. Um, I also do some weird setups too. If, if you know, if if I think that I need to be on one side of the ridge with the wind blowing this way, then that's where I'll be. Um, so I do try to hunt my wind, but as far as scent control, I don't spray down. I do wash my clothes in a scent-free detergent. Um, just because I don't like to go to the woods, you know, smelling like my wife. Right. I do take a scent-free shower. Whether that helps me or not, I really don't know. But I know that I can't smell that big, strong aroma Right. that I could. You know, but my scent control isn't much, man. I don't spray down a million times. You know, I'm going to sweat regardless of what I do. Um, I did run Ozonics for years. And that is one thing in the industry that they're – they're starting to catch on to there's really not a gimmick it, it really does work but as i get older and i start hunting with this trad bow and i see all the technology coming into the woods and i already use a bunch of cameras i just i kind of reverted away from the from those onyx because you know i'm already dumping 70 deers on 70 cameras on these deer and i got a pretty good idea of 
of where they are and you know a deer's number one way to elude people is is their nose and that's just not something i want to take away from them you know i want to go in there and, and try to do it right so nothing yeah. wrong with those onyx they work they're great products uh nothing wrong if you use them i don't look down on anybody but it's just not how i want to kill an animal anymore to each their own i mean this That's this right. year they have been coming right. out with so much stuff you know with the the garmin um and the burris uh both sites that they got now you know i look at that now and i'm just like man i just don't know if that's you know i i, I don't know you might like, as well I, take a muzzle loader you know yeah i was just like not to look down on somebody for it but for me i was like i just don't want that i guess i kind of want the challenge of trying to figure out you know what it's honorable yeah and, and like i said it's you know what against I mean? anybody i mean it's just a preference i guess i don't know yeah, I, I agree. You know, I don't look down on you if you use a range finder, if you got a site that tells the yardage for you. That's just not how, at the end of the day, I don't care about what anybody says about me. I want to feel good about it. So I do what makes me feel good about myself. Well, looks like you're a, you're a happy man to me <laughs> going by your Instagram. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God's good. So life, life is good. I hear you. Well, We've about covered everything that I want to talk about. Is there anything that you would suggest to someone who's uh, hunting some public land, trying to get on some bucks, and maybe they're a little green around the gills or new to it? Any advice that you would have for these guys? Yep. Yeah, sure, man. Um, buy the best gear you can afford and stick with it. It doesn't have to be the top of the line, but buy the best you can afford, even if you have to save up for it, because Number one, you're normally going to get a better product. And number two, you're going to get the confidence boost. Um, keep the boots on the ground. I've killed some of my biggest deer when everybody's like, dude, you don't need to hunt there. And I pull up and, you know, there'd be four trucks in the parking lot and I'd be the one dragging out the deer. And then the joke's on them. So get the boots on the ground. And another thing is if, if you are wanting to get into to cameras, um, I'm not sponsored. I don't get paid to say this, but there's a couple products that I truly believe in. And one of them is Exodus trail cameras. They got a very affordable camera. It's $145. It carries a five year warranty and it actually has theft and damage coverage. So for every original purchase that you buy, if you have one stolen or damaged, they will sell you one camera half off, which is huge for me for public land. If I lose a camera, I know I can at least get one for half cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, so that's that's, that's another thing, man. And and set your own goals. Don't don't let people set deter or make you think you need to hunt this way. Set your own goals. Hunt your own style because we're all different. That's you know that's one thing about it, man. I think a lot of the hunting industry lacks the passion. Um, I see them bashing each other all the time and it just doesn't need to be that way, man. Set your own goals and reach your own goals. Don't let somebody else dictate what you need to be doing. That's true. And it's funny that every person that I've talked to that's a successful hunter, like, and by the term successful hunter, I'm saying a guy that goes in the woods and drags a deer out, they all have some type of goal. It may not be the same goal as the other guys, but you do have to have a goal 
that you're going after. You know what I mean? Like, I think that some people just go out there and sit and just hope that they get lucky. But there's other guys who just have a goal. Like, I'm going to kill a deer. And you may, and like you said, man, you don't have that much time, but you still got that goal. You still make the most of your time. No. When you're not hunting, Positive you're thinking vibe. about it. You right. Know? So that Correct. goes a long I, I way. Agree. All right, Josh. Well, that does it for today, man. Thanks for coming on. All right, brother, man. Thanks for having me on. And you guys stay positive. Positive vibes equals positive results. And, uh, Josh, I'll talk to you later, man. I, I appreciate us finally getting together. All right, guys. Well, that does it for today's show. I really hope you liked it. Like I said, it, it was kind of different. You know, it wasn't the whole, this is how I scout. This is how I, I look on a computer and I can figure out where I need to go and the route I need to take based on the wind and, my mama packs me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and, and then she kisses me on the cheek and tells me to give them hell. You know, it, it wasn't like that. It was, it was a lot different, very tactical way and strategy that Josh hunts. It may not be for everybody. And he was really open about that. But, uh, you know, if you liked it, let me know if you didn't like it, let me know that too. Um, you know, I'd like to hear from guys, uh, that are killing big bucks on public land. You know, send me an email, Huntzilla Apparel. No, wait, Huntzilla at yahoo.com. And, um, you know, let me know if you think you'd be a good fit for the show. Send me some pictures, of course. We need some some details. I need to see what you've been killing, what you've been doing. And, uh, you know, even if you have an idea for a podcast, even if you have, you know, someone who you think would be a good idea to interview or a subject that you want me to cover, whether it's nutrition, training, hunting, whatever. Um, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to have that conversation. You can hit me up at Huntzilla Apparel on Instagram and Huntzilla Apparel on Facebook. Other than that, guys, I got my email, Huntzilla at yahoo.com. But like I said, I'm easy to get a hold of. Love to talk to you. And uh, that's it, guys. That is the show for today. Go be the beast in the woods. I'm out.